All right, so record. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that should be part of the intros. That sounded great to me. <laughs> so good. All right, I'll try not to hit that. <laughs> Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out. I'm Billy Allen. I'm Niels Nielsen. And I'm John Mayer, and today we are very, very lucky to have someone who all of you know, April Ross. She has done it all. She was a two-sport star in high school, track and volleyball, two-time national champion at USC, silver medal at the Olympics, no big deal, and she's done a lot more than that. Uh, I could spend more time talking about her, but thanks for joining us, April. Yeah, thanks for having me. Our topic today is the challenges of being a favorite. And I wanted to know, have you always been a favorite throughout your whole sports career? No, you know, it goes in cycles for sure. Every sport I ever played, I think I kind of, I had a natural ability, but um, I was, I always kind of started at the bottom. You know, you're always a new person um, at first. And then I'd work my way up and I'd get to a certain level and I'd kind of, be one of the better players on whatever team and whatever sport I was competing in. And then I'd get thrown into, you know, another age group and have to start all over. So it's kind of been cyclical. And I think even in beach volleyball, when I started, I was, you know, in the quality. It took me six times to qualify and get into a main draw. Um, And then I ended the year again in the qualifier and kind of had to fight my way up. It happened pretty fast once I got with Jen Kessie, but we were, I always... Even when I was was with Jen, I considered myself an underdog, you know, because we always had to compete against Misty and Carrie. But now I think I'm to a point, you know, especially in the U.S. where, yeah, I feel like the favorite. And when I play with Carrie internationally, I feel like the favorite. So I think for the majority of my athletic career, I have felt like an underdog. But every so often I get to the point where I do feel like the favorite. And for sure, I think... Right now, even if we're not the number ranked team in the world, when we get out there, when I'm playing with Carrie, like I feel like everyone's out to beat us. What role do you prefer to be in? Would you rather be that underdog? Is it easier? Or do you enjoy being the favorite, having everyone gunning for you? It doesn't matter. I feel very thankful and blessed to get to play a sport for my living. And um, there's so many other things that go with that. You know, it's just like to be able to play is, is amazing. But there's cool aspects to both, and I love, love, love being the underdog. The cool thing about being the underdog is you can play lights out against somebody ranked higher than you in the chance that you beat them, and you become that number one team. So that's always the goal. Like, you don't enjoy being the underdog if you don't think you have a shot of knocking people down. I'm always working to be that number one team, and so I'm stoked to be there, and that's where I want to be. And everyone's getting for you. It makes you better. And I think as a professional athlete and someone who takes it very seriously, that's what you want, you know? Like, if you're not always trying to get better and you don't have that drive, then, like, why are you doing it? Like, what's, what's in it for you? What, why are you passionate about it? So, like I said, it's just cyclical. So whatever role you're in, you, you have to enjoy it. It's definitely harder. It's harder being the team with the target on your back, though, for sure. Yeah, April, at the ADP banquet, when you were giving your speech, you mentioned... And you kind of like justify and said, carry it on me this in a bad way, but it is like hard playing with you. And is that what you mean by having that different role? Or is it just by playing with her as a partner in particular? Yeah, there's so many things that go along with it. Yeah, it's, it's what I want, you know, like I've worked my whole life to be able to play with someone like Carrie. 
but there's a certain expectation. There's a certain amount of pressure. It's challenging, you know, to, to put yourself in a position that you're, un- you know, it's uncomfortable. Like, she played with Misty for so long. Um, not that I'm trying to fill anybody's shoes, you know, but, like, she's had so much success. And to try and play at that level and, and assume that you can play at that level, like, there's a lot, I put a lot of pressure on myself. There's a lot of people from the outside, you know, looking in, wondering how we're going to do. And I'm not going to really accept anything from myself except for success. And so it's the best problem in the world to have, to have to force yourself to increase your ability so that you can play to that level. But it's kind of how my career has always gone. So then do you have a definition of success and, and has that changed? Was it different when you were an underdog? Is it different now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like compulsive almost. It bothers me because it's like (laughs) a couple years ago, well, when I first started, my idea of success was way different than it is now. And it's like every little milestone you get to and you, you accomplish, then you have to look ahead and you like set a new standard and and a new definition of success. And then you're not content until you reach that milestone and then you set it again. So I think when I got to go to the Olympics in London, that was a huge, huge thing. And, you know, I think I've, I've checked that off. And that almost took a little bit of pressure off, you know, like I've been to the Olympics. And then when we got a medal, that was, you know, if I were to have to stop, God forbid, volleyball tomorrow, I think I would look back on my career and think for sure I had a very successful career and I wouldn't have any regrets. But right now my definition of success, I think, would be to qualify for the Olympics and to get a gold medal. Like I've, I've, thought about it so so much and tried to think you know like would I be okay if we got to the Olympics and didn't get the gold and I don't know I think I could be at peace with my career overall but right now that's the goal and I don't think I'm going to be necessarily satisfied unless I can go and do that so I think that is my definition of success right now. So it's, it's an evolving thing and could change again I guess after the Olympics there could be a new definition. Yeah, I don't know. Like, in life, in general, I have a definition of success. And in volleyball, specifically, I have a different definition of success. I think I I just have a different mentality when I approach volleyball than when I approach life. That makes sense. I'm actually interested to maybe articulate that a little bit uh, in more detail. What What is the difference or how do you articulate success on the court and versus off the court. What does that actually look like? I just feel like on the court, you're in a little bit of a vacuum. It's kind of a selfish version of success. I want to be the best. I want to be the best I can be. I want to beat other people. I want to be the top team in the world. But then you get off the court, and my definition, definition of success would be, you know, to have a family that loves you, a roof over your head, and be able to see the world or, you know, just be at peace in your life. So I don't know how you compare the two, but off the court is definitely way more mellow and realistic. A, a thing I always, that comes to mind is there, is there somebody that you think of that has achieved success in both ways or maybe in one realm and not the other, or that you're trying to emulate in one way or the other or both? What, is there anybody that comes to mind? Other than me and Nils and Billy. <laughs> yeah, well, that, those you guys are my, the first thought I had. Of course, of um, course, yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> now the mayor's the MVP of the AVP. He kind of has a target on his back, too. So Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's why he's doing this podcast. He's like, I need to get some advice, <laughs> advice from April. Yeah, really. Um, you know, I think it's a really hard thing to do to balance success in, well, my version of success in life and success in sports. You don't know everyone so personally to know whether you know they balance it well or not but i think i think in the bigger cases you see a lot of people don't balance it well and they're so focused on success on the court or in the field or whatever that they kind of let everything fall off so i try to be really cognizant of that but then i get neurotic sometimes you know like if i we're going on vacation to ireland me and brad next uh, in like two weeks or whatever and I'm already thinking, like, well, I can't work out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to, like, convince myself to just go and enjoy it. But, yeah, I think it's really hard to balance the two. And I think Carrie does it pretty well. But to be, like, a huge success in sports, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes along with that. So I guess to answer your question, like, I don't really feel like I model myself after anybody. I feel like I have my own ideas and my own vision of what I want my life to look like and how I want to be successful in sports and still manage family life or, or whatever off-the-court life. Yeah, I think you get in trouble when you try and emulate other people. You mentioned Olympics as the goal of maybe success. I know this off-season on your blog, you were talking about goal-setting and the idea of maybe things that are less result-oriented, things in your control, like if I went hard during a practice, do you still kind of look at those as goals you have? Or has that changed at all? Throughout my life, I've always kind of thought, you know, I set goals like I want to win this tournament or some big idea in the future. And I just think it's so easy to do that. And then you get all fired up right in the moment. And it's so far away, you kind of, it kind of, your fire kind of peters out or you get sidetracked or whatever. So I think like super short term goals super easy goals that you can kind of check off daily a little bit more how I operate. I've never liked really setting goals anyways. For me, I want to go out every day and do the best that I can. I try not to put my mind in the future or live in the past or anything. My kind of motto is you can only do the best you can do in the present moment, set yourself up for success tomorrow and down the road. So I don't it's so hard. I have things I want to accomplish, but they're not like hard set goals, you know? Like, I feel like I keep a pretty good perspective on everything, and if something doesn't pan out, I feel like I can kind of adjust and be okay anyways, you know? So I try not to set hard and fast goals down the road. Just, I, I want to worry about eating healthy today and not falling off the wagon today, you know, doing the best I can in my lift. So, yeah, to answer your question, I still, I think, operate like that. Thinking small, I like it. So I know it's always a challenge to get to the top, but maybe even a bigger challenge to stay on top. What are the keys for you to, to consistently be on the top year after year? Number one, you can't be complacent. You know, you can't just be like, what I did to get to the top, I can just continue doing that and stay at the top. That's a faulty line of thinking. You know, you do whatever you did to get to the top, and then you have to continue to do new things and add new things in to stay at the top. And you don't have to add more, but you definitely have to get smarter. You know, you have to have a growth mindset. You can't stop looking for ways to get better. And that's something that Carrie has really taught me. You know, I was pretty amazed when I started playing with her to see 
how much she still feels like she needs to get better, you know? Like, who's done more than her in volleyball? And she just can't stop looking for ways to get better. And I feel like I'm that way also, but it was just kind of validating to see her like that. And, yeah, reading books and talking to Tim, my strength and conditioning coach, about creative ways to get better on the court. Like, I've made up several lifting moves during my time in the gym because I'm like, this feels like I could do you know, would help me with defense. And he actually puts it in other people's programs now. So it's, for me, it's fun, but it feels daunting sometimes. And anytime I see, honestly, anytime I see on social media or hear about somebody doing something, I'm like, oh, well, should I do that? I like seriously consider like, I'm going to start doing that. If they're doing it, I'm going to do it, you know? So (laughs) a lot of times I'll try it and see if it works for me. And I'm like, I got it. I'm obsessed with doing more than anyone else. Because I believe that'll help me continue to get better and hopefully stay at the top. Well, how has that uh, new vegetarian diet affected your husband? Oh my gosh. He is so into it. I'm so impressed. I no, can remember... he's not. Yeah, he is. I, no way. I remember when uh, you guys, you and uh, John, you and Brad were playing together and we were like in Switzerland and you're pulling vegetables out of your backpack and eating them because... <laughs> I don't know that you you were just like hardcore vegan and we were like I can't believe like John's doesn't eat meat and how does he get the energy and yeah I don't know I just suggest I suggested to him because I was like I really wanted to do it Um, I wanted to try it I thought this offseason was a good opportunity to change something in my diet and I've always felt like that was the way to go but being an athlete I didn't know if it was doable and I'm like for sure I can't do this if Brad is just gonna be on my case and like eat meat all the time and I suggested let's try it and he reluctantly said yes and the first like day or two he was so proud of himself he got through it and he was like these are the first two days in my life I've gone without eating meat and um after that it just got kept getting easier for him and he said he felt a ton of energy which I did too and he's still into it a lot of times I'm like hey like you know let's just have a cheap meal and go get some chicken and he's like oh you know, I, I don't, th- I don't think I want that. So, um, he's into it and it helps me a ton. I'm super, I'm stoked on it. That's hard for me to believe. That's, that's awesome. That's funny. I know it's hard for me to believe too. I hope no one from the Swiss customs is listening, <laughs> runs, runs me down uh, for sneaking vegetables into their country. I want to go back to those new things you talked about. You're trying all the time, what that looks like in a volleyball sense specific things you're doing in practice that are are challenging you or that you're changing or looking to evolve with? Well, I always hold out hope for hand setting. Every day I go in believing like this is the day I'm going to learn how to hand set. This is going to click for me today. And so I always, I always go for that one, you know, a couple times of practice and it never works out, but I I won't stop doing that. Um, I think we're getting really dialed in going into the Olympics. So on the volleyball court, I'm not as creative as I have been in the past. Like in the past, I've spent an offseason trying to learn how to hit with my left hand. When I played with Jen, we were the first team to, I think, really vary our sets. We had like 10 sets each or something, which that was my idea. I can still remember the day I brought it into practice. I'm like, so you guys probably aren't going to be into this, but just if we can try it, I would really appreciate it. And we, like, ran with that. But right now, a lot of it has to do with defense and just kind of, like, trial and error. What do I watch when I'm on defense? I've tried just watching the ball 
to see if that would be effective. I've tried just watching the hitter. I've tried different eye sequences. What have you found on that to be most effective? I found that it varies based on who you play. If I'm just talking about me, I think the most effective thing is pretty much, I'm sure, what everybody does. Watch the ball for a second after the set and then just focus on the hitter. So that's my default. I go back to that. But like if I get in a funk with that, then I'll go to purely just watching the ball and trusting my reactions. What else? I've tried, you know, different movements on defense. I've tried juking. I've tried, do I, do I kind of stay in a standing posture so that it's easier to get out of that posture? Or do I get really low in my posture so that I'm down low and like I can cut the ball off when it gets low to the ground? And I'm still playing with all that stuff, and I think that's going to be a big part of our preseason is me kind of figuring out my real technique. And how do you decide what's right? I guess it's playing, and I don't know if this is me or if everybody feels this way. Like, throughout my career, I've had just moments where stuff really clicks, and I feel like I have it down. Like, I've had that. I had that with hitting. I've had that with passing, with serving. And I think I'm still kind of waiting for that click on defense. I've, I've felt it a little bit for sure. Like once I got to play purely defense when Carrie got hurt, I stayed in the back the whole time and I started having little moments like that. So I think it's close. But at the same time, like you can't pick one thing and say, this is how I'm going to do it all of the time, especially in beach volleyball. You have to have kind of a backup plan for everything. You know, like if something's not working, you have to have something you can go to. So. I like having those options. I just have to kind of nail down what I'm going to start with every time. So, April, I like the idea of during a season you're getting creative at practice and even hitting left-handed. I might be like, when would she ever use that? But, you know, maybe it's a way to make practice fun. When you're on the road and you're playing so much in a season, what does a practice for you look like in the middle of a season, maybe between tournaments? How do you still get fired up to to work hard and get better? I know the season's pretty daunting. Yeah. Um, to be honest, practicing in the middle of our season is not my favorite, but I think if you lose, if you don't actually win the tournament, for me, it's really easy to get fired up and go out and work on things and get better. So I think that's the blessing in disguise of losing. And to be honest, if you win, if you go through a whole tournament and you win a tournament, you're probably going to take the two days off between tournaments. So I think just that drive to to want to win and, and be the best helps you fire up for practices in season. I see that as being the hardest part about being a favorite. Like if I've ended a season with a bad tournament, I'm like in the gym that night and I feel like that motivation carries over for a while. And I just wonder how different it would be when you like win the tournament. Yeah. I could just see it being harder to get motivated and it harder to be the one seed playing that 16 seed first round or that 32 team first round and like still being fired up to come in and play. Because we've seen teams, maybe like Phil and Todd back in the day, kind of roll through a team looking kind of sluggish, but it seems like you're always fired up no matter who you're playing. Yeah, I think that comes a little bit with, I'm a big proponent of learning from other people's mistakes, and I can't remember what year it was, but there was a year where it kept happening, like first seeds would lose first round or whatever, and I that's kind of when I really learned that you can't take anyone for granted. It doesn't matter how well you did the week before. You have to, you have to stay on your game and stay really diligent. 
So I think that's another thing that helps me get fired up. I really try not to take anyone for granted. We could be playing, you know, a team I've never heard of, and there's always a chance they could beat you, and I know that. So that helps a lot as well. It sounds like there's a little bit of a shift in mentality versus when you win a tournament and you lose a tournament. As far as when you lose a tournament, it sounds like you definitely have some some goals, some things that you want to do at practice, some things that you know you have to get better in order to win the next tournament. Whereas when you win a tournament, you're kind of trying to maintain the level you are at through the next one in order to do it. Can you kind of unpack or, or talk a little bit more in detail about maybe the difference in the mentality between those two situations? Yeah, you do several things when you win a tournament. You you play a lot, number one. You gain confidence in your team, in yourself, in your play, over other teams. You gain momentum. You have um, kind of a mental edge over everyone who didn't win the tournament. You know, they're like, oh, you know, they're hot. They're They're doing really well. So that honestly accomplishes a lot. So... I really don't feel like there's that big of a need to to get out there and train and fix things. You can at a certain point you kind of have to relax and go with the flow and if it's working it's working, you know, you don't need to to change stuff if if it's not broken. And then, you know, if if you don't win, there's obviously things you need to get better at because you didn't either execute or you're not good enough for whatever reason to beat the team that beat you. And so you have to get out there and you have to change things and you have to fix things. So I think that's where the motivation comes from. I think by winning a tournament, you do just by default, a lot of that work already by playing in the tournament. So I honestly haven't really broke it down, but that's kind of how my, my mentality has been. So what would you say if you, and I'm just thinking from a coaching perspective now, say you had a coach that was super fired up or or his style was you guys win a tournament and the next day or the day, you know, maybe a day off or something, but then, Hey, you're right back at it just as, as you would if you had lost the tournament, how would you feel about that? Or or (laughs) would anything change for you? Would you just refuse or what would happen? Have you talked to my coaches lately? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm a pretty, I think you could call me strong willed player. And I I get into it with my coaches sometimes, you know, not straight up fighting, but I take my stance on things and, but they're the coach and they have their stance and they think they're right. And I think I'm right. So we actually had that situation happen um, this summer and I was not happy about it. It was probably one of the biggest arguments I've had since uh, playing beach volleyball and I'm pretty sure Carrie and Marcio were convinced I wasn't going to show up for practice. But that's where you turn the professionalism on, I guess. I made my case. I lost. And um, I was determined to show up to practice, be there on time, warm up, you know, be 150% in it, even though I didn't believe we should be practicing. And at a certain point, you have to listen to your coach. He's your leader. He's the one who's instructing you and you have to have a good amount of trust in your coach. And so I think voicing your opinion is really important as a player. Like you shouldn't just do necessarily what your coach wants you to do, especially if you don't understand why he wants you to do it, whether it's a skill or anything else, you know? So voicing your opinion is is hard to do, especially when you're younger and in high school or whatever, but really important. And then 
if you lose your case and if, if your coach makes more sense than you, then, you know, put it behind you. Don't hold a grudge and just get out there and do what's best for your team. I think in the long run, you know, you have your own opinions, but you got to do what's best for your team. I know you've had a lot of coaches indoors and, and on the beach. What do you look for in, in a quality coach and how, how do they bring the best out of you? And how, how have they, I guess, made you what you are? Oh my gosh. I mean, I honestly do owe everything to my coaches. I've had some amazing, amazing coaches. I honestly have not liked one of them while I was playing for them. Wanted to quit, you know, like so hard on me. I'm not going to use the word hate, but um, really disliked my coaches. But after the fact, I understand how integral they were for for my success. So I've kind of learned along the way that... A good coach is going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to push your buttons. You know, I think a common thread is all of my coaches have believed in me and believed in my potential and really pushed me to reach my potential. Um, And that just, it wasn't easy, you know. Like, a lot of times they expect more from me than I even expected from myself. And the way that plays out is them yelling at you when you don't do as well as they expect you to do. So I think if I were to, to look for qualities in a coach, it would for sure be a coach that wasn't afraid to yell at me, especially at this point, you know, because beach volleyball is so unique. We have the power to hire and fire our coaches. So it's, it's hard for them to kind of take that ownership of being the coach and push their athletes. But Marcio actually does that really well. And he understands that he's going to have to explain it to me, but once he explains it to me, I'm going to do it. But I think that's a good quality in a coach, you, to be able to walk the line. You know, I've had coaches that have straight up just laid into me way too much, and even now I'm like, it wasn't effective. He could have backed off a little bit or done it in a better way. So there's a fine line there. But I think there's a lot of intangibles in a coach too. I think you have to you have to be really passionate about the sport. You have to love watching it and love breaking it down and kind of see things that the average eye doesn't see. And I think I'm thinking specifically for beach because strategy is so big. What does a, a Marcio practice look like? And is the technical side like more important for you or is it about the energy he brings or is it, is it both? It's everything. Marcio is a great, great coach. We get so many touches every practice. He comes up with these crazy drills that you've never done before in your life. I don't even think he repeats them. He just he comes up with them, and part of it is you have to remember it. There's probably seven different things that you have to do to complete one rep. It's like set over here three times, and then pull over here, and dig to yourself, and then free ball it to the back corner, and then go receive a ball. So... You have to like remember all these things while you're performing the skill to the best of your ability. So there's always like two or three agendas for a drill, which I love. And they're super fast paced. And he's always cognizant of how much physical exertion we're giving. And then he pairs that with how long our water breaks are. Everything just has a lot of thought. And he puts us in a lot of uncomfortable situations. If a team comes to practice, we'll have a disadvantage in like every drill. And we get super frustrated. And there's been times after practice we're like, Marcio, like, why are you doing that? Like, we have a tournament next week. And I've learned that he has a long-term plan. And, and part of that is making us super frustrated in certain situations so that we know how to deal with that when we get into a tournament. And 
you know, we're not winning. We have to fight to come back. I appreciate that. I mean, we already have, he's already planned out our whole season up to the Olympics, like each practice, what we're doing. He's on it. I've been lucky enough to be a part of a couple of those practices as a practice dummy for about two weeks when I was training with Casey. And and I, I do not remember the drills. I have no idea what they were. It, it was crazy. I would go home and try to write them out, and I'd get halfway through the drill and be like, I have no idea what's happening right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I just did. It's pretty crazy. He's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I, I mean, I do have to admit, half the time we have to stop in the middle of our first round and be like, I don't remember. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> but I view it as a challenge, and I appreciate the challenge of having to remember the whole thing. Do you think that type of coaching would work on lower levels? Yeah, I really do. Especially in the beginning of practice, the skills we perform aren't super tough. It's like free ball passing and setting, and it's just the repetition and taking care of the ball multiple times in a row and staying focused through a certain amount of time and doing those skills really well the whole time. I think it'd be great for kids. April, we had Adam O'Neill on the podcast, and he was talking about your identity of who you are when you're playing your best. Have you found kind of what works for you? Yeah. You know, I've tried the whole being calm thing and found that it doesn't work for me. I need to be really fired up to play my best. Not outwardly, but I have to, in my head, I have to be on a mission, pretty cutthroat when I'm playing. And, you know, I get mad if Um, I let somebody block me, I get mad if I let somebody dig me, and I push myself to go harder and be better in the next play, and yeah, so I think the mentality that works best for me is being a little pissed off and fired up, and I think the only way for me to do that over and over, because it is really draining to have to get up like that for for multiple matches in a row, is um, to foster that drive and wanting to be the best, and to be honest, I think I'm just, I don't know why I have such, like, a drive like that, or, you know, but it, it, throughout the years, like, I've gotten better at at being able to get up for each match. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, is, is how are you able to do that when, when you know you're going to win the match? Oh, see, I never know I'm going to win the match. Honestly, I never know I'm going to win the match, and I get crap for that sometimes, you know, like, because I'm confident in myself. I'm confident in my team. I always believe that we can win, but I never think that we're going to win, you know, if that makes sense. Like, I'm always um, expect the best, prepare for the worst. And if you don't show up, like, you can get beat by anybody. So I never know that we're going to win. What does your self-talk sound like before you go into a match? And is it different when you're going into a match that maybe is early in a tournament versus a final or later in a tournament, what does that actually sound like? What do you tell yourself? I'm trying to think back. Um, I'm not so much in competition mode right now, but... Well, so, it's, I mean, it sounds like that it's not something that you have maybe a routine about. Is it different every time, or is it something that you've spent some time on? Is it something that you just know you want to do? I for sure mentally visualize before... Every match, I picture myself doing everything perfectly. Um, I have a, a specific routine I go through that um, Mike Gervais actually set me up with. And then, you know, I try, I try to take the pressure off. Um, I try to keep things in perspective, like 
it goes along the lines of prepare for the worst, expect the best. You know, like, if we lose this match, it's not the end of the world. You know, whatever, you, however you want to, you know, deal with that. Like, it's, it's just a volleyball match. So I try to keep things in perspective um, to stay a little bit loose at the beginning of the match. And honestly, so this goes back to what we were talking, to you, talking about before. Like, I try to kind of approach the match a little bit like an underdog. And it's all just kind of how you frame things. And so I try to not take it, like, too seriously at first. Just try to stay a little bit looser at the beginning of the match and then see how it plays, see how it develops, and, um, you know, kind of react to how things are going in the match. And um, if I need to get really fired up, if I need to get pissed off, then, um, you know, that happens. Then you hit in the block and get pissed off at yeah, yeah. If I go in and it's, you know, not flowing um, and I get blocked, then I get pissed off. So, yeah, I mean, what is it, what are you talking to yourself about after you make an error like that or when the other team is blocks you twice in a row or things are not going well? What kind of words do you use to, to try to get yourself out of the hole? I don't, I mean, I just, I hate how this is going to sound, but um, I just believe that I'm, better than that person and I've worked harder and I shouldn't get blocked by that person and so that's the kind of my self-talk. I don't think you have to be embarrassed about your self-talk at all. The things I would tell myself when I played were way more embarrassing than that. (laughs) (laughs) So much better looking than them. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's awesome that you, you trust your preparation. I mean, that's, that's always something you want to, you want to lean on. I also wanted to ask, within a match, how you handle pressure moments. And I, when I picture you you playing, I always see you being the aggressor. And I think sometimes in tight moments, people go more conservative and think, I, you know, I got to serve in, I got to hit in. But when I think of you, it doesn't seem like that even crosses your mind. It's like, I'm, I'm here to destroy. I'm here to get after it. I'm here to let it rip. There's something you do to, to deal with those moments or do those moments not affect you? Or yeah, can you take us through that? Yeah, it's something for sure that that we all have to deal with, but um, I've kind of learned from my experiences over the years. And my whole philosophy is in those moments, and I've had it both ways, I've experienced it both ways, like in those moments are you going to be, you know, I want to look back on those moments, and even if I make a mistake, I went for it, you know. I played to win in those moments because there's a chance... Either way, that you can make a mistake. You know, if you play to win, you could make a mistake. If you get scared, you could make a mistake. And there's probably less chance you're going to make a mistake if you're aggressive and you're confident and you go after it. So in those moments, you know, I kind of just tell myself, play to win, play to win. Like, if you look at all your options, like, that's the best option you have. So that's how I approach those moments. Yeah, we had an episode on that called Challenge versus Threat State, and... When I picture the challenge state, that's I, I picture you. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> no, I, I mean that's I think a lot of people would, and yeah, it's just impressive that you're able to do it over time. And I think, like you said, you lean on your preparation, you you prep so hard, and you're ready for those moments because of that. And I think also your mindset, like you've learned from experiences. And yeah, and I think it's a little bit of yeah, like cool. intensity and digging in your heels and refusing to lose. Like there's, you can say these things, but like, there's also action in it, too. Like, if you really believe it and you really feel like 
I'm not going to lose this right now. Like you, there's a point, I feel like you kind of, you get to another level that you didn't necessarily know that you had sometimes. And yeah, it's just kind of like blackout. Like I refuse to lose, like I'm going to do something. And I feel like my body does and my mind does something different in those moments for whatever reason. And then when you, when you invest that deeply, let's say you, you lose and things don't go the right way. How long does it take you to get over a match? You know, what, what does it look like after investing that much? That's the scary part. And I've struggled with that too. Like the more you invest, the scary it is because you can lose and it's going to hurt way more than if you kind of like don't care. But I've gotten to a point in my life, I think, and in my career where I'm not going to beat myself up. Like if I go out there and I give it my all and I prepare the best that I can, if I lose, it's going to suck. But I'm, I'm done berating myself for a loss, you know, so... If we lose, I want to learn from it. I want to look at it objectively, but I'm not going to emotionally beat myself up for it. I was talking to Tramway today. We were talking about how on the podcast, Ryan was talking about, oh, sometimes I take the pressure off myself by being like, oh, you know, worst thing that happens is this. I can still go home to the beach, blah, blah, blah. And Ty's like, when I lose, (laughs) I tell my partner, like, I'm going to fly home. I hope this plane crashes. (laughs) (laughs) He, like, takes it so personally. I love Ty. I know. He does. He takes it... I don't think it affects anyone more than it affects him. Like, I feel for him. I want to... You have to, like... You got to watch him after losses. I guess it's a simple question. I don't know how simple the answer could, could be, but just where does your confidence come from, especially in those moments in the match, it sounds like you're speaking to a lot of things. Like, you know you're better than the player across from you. You you have this confidence. Do you know where that well is? Where do you dig into? Where where does that come from? What are you telling yourself for that confidence that you have? Well, I'm a huge uh, believer in authentic confidence. I don't think you can kind of get out there for your first time and, you know, be like, I'm going to win, I'm the best player out here. Like, you have to slowly earn it, and you have to you have to work hard to earn that authentic confidence. And, like, honestly, with each win, you know, each each team that's ranked above you that you beat, you, you earn a little bit of that confidence. And so I think it's just kind of an accumulation of, of my career so far and fighting so hard in those moments to get those wins and... You know, it hasn't always been like that. In those moments, you know, earlier in my career, it's like, oh, sometimes I feel like I got lucky to get that win or whatever. But at the same time, you get that win and you get a little bit more confidence. And I like to think at this point, I've accumulated enough where I've earned the right to be confident in those moments. And I also believe that I work as hard, if not harder, than everyone else. And so I feel like I have a right to to beat those people too i don't know if that's true honestly but in my head it's true it's probably and i true. think that's you know <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what matters right is like what you honestly believe well it seems to be working so i think you can continue to do it <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm pretty guarded about my mentality i won't just go out and read any book you know that people suggest i read i try to really 
be like, what's this about? Is this going to enhance my mentality? Is this going to make me doubt myself? And, you know, I won't talk to any sports psychologist. If, if someone I'm talking to starts on a tangent in the wrong direction, I stop them and I say, hey, I, you know, I don't want to talk about this. This is not how I feel. And so, like, I, yeah, it's something I have thought a lot about over the years, and um, I like where it's at, and so I, I actually try to guard it to some point. Are there any books that you have read that, that have helped you? I'm the worst person in the world for remembering books that I've read. I've read a couple of Navy SEAL books. Um, I really like the Navy SEAL mentality, and, and they, they're kind of in it to win it, you know, like they can't have any doubt in their head when they're going into missions and they prepare more than anyone. So I like, I like the Navy SEAL books. I'm halfway through a book called You're a Badass, which... Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it was just in the airport and this is going to sound weird, but like you read the back, you read a few pages and a book either speaks to you or it doesn't speak to you. And that one was like immediate. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get this book and I'm reading it. And I loved it. It's, it's honestly, it's helped a lot, a lot more than a lot of books. And I also, one of my favorite books is Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. And for some reason that translates for me and provides me with a lot of perspective when it comes to, to volleyball and, and what really matters. That's awesome. The one of my favorite Navy SEAL books that's coming out recently is the the Heart and the Fist. Have you read that one? No, but I'm gonna write it down right now. It's a good one. He uh, he talks a lot about. He spends a lot of time in in his Hell Week experience. It's pretty unbelievable. All right, I'm gonna go get that. This has been awesome. We obviously really respect you as a player, and and I'm looking forward to watching you play. Hopefully for a lot longer and for many more years. And on big stages and just this was awesome to get to learn from you and to hear about your process and I think there's so many good nuggets for coaches and players and just yeah just really thank you for opening up to us yeah I think this is awesome that you guys do this and I feel bad that I haven't asked you guys any questions because I always feel like there's so much I can learn from you guys so maybe another time we'll get to turn the tables probably not too much (laughs) where can people find you if they want to find you I'm April Ross Beach on everything, if that makes sense. Sweet. Yeah, just add an at sign for Twitter and Instagram. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, this, this was, uh, again, thank you. A great episode, and thanks for spending the time. Thanks, April. Yeah, glad we uh, got it in. All right. See you guys. This has been another episode of Coach Your Brains Out. You can follow us on Twitter at Coach Your Brain. Please subscribe on iTunes and write us a review. Thanks.